0: And it was just another reminder, like, you know what? Enjoy life, it is what it is, and do the best you can. And then it's all gonna fall into place, and sometimes you're gonna feel like you should be doing more, and, and, and I just had to keep telling myself that, like, just keep telling myself that. And it really helped me, <laughs> it really helped me um, get past some things of feeling like I had to be perfect.
1: Hello, you are listening to the Late Bloomer Living podcast, and I'm Yvonne Marchese, your host. This week, I'm so excited to introduce you to Kimberly Minor, who spent most of her career in retail merchandising, most recently as Senior Vice President for Bath and Body Works, where she was in charge of strategy, merchandising operations, home, gifting and accessories, and third party. Honestly, folks, I don't even know what all those legs of the retail business are, but I do know she was juggling a lot. For most of her adult life, she found herself in the role of that person that people look to to get through a crisis, both in her business and private life, at some personal cost. That pattern started when she was 28 years old, after the death of her mom, when she became legal guardian for her ailing father and grandparents. Are you one of those people who makes it look easy to do all the things? when inside you're really struggling? Well, that was Kimberly. It took some time for her to figure out how to start taking care of herself. And through that journey, she discovered that what she most wanted was a sense of community. Well, I'll let her tell it in her own words. Let's go. Hello, Kimberly. Thank you so much for being with me.
0: Oh, well, thank you for inviting me.
1: Oh my gosh, I'm excited to have you here. Um so I'm thinking back to when I first became aware of Miss Kimberly Miner. Um and uh it was re- remote daily. I can't even say it. I get a little funny at the beginning of these podcasts <laughs> as I told you. Yeah. Um but uh love that show. So uh, y- your your episode really um stuck with me mm-hmm. and I'm so glad that we were able to connect after the fact and am so appreciative that you're here with me today thank you
0: well you know i i i appreciate that it resonated you know when i spoke with felix or actually when i met felix i met him on monday and he said hey I've enjoyed this conversation so much. I mean, I had my assistant had to change three other meetings because we talked for so long. Oh. And he was like, well, uh, can you come on on Wednesday? <laughs> I was like, oh my goodness, Day after tomorrow. <laughs> <And he> said, <laughs> yes. I was like, uh, I'm not sure, but I'll get back to you. Okay. Um, and then afterwards, the, the feedback from him was just so amazing. And then I've met so many lovely people as a result of of remote daily and 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 being on there so um i had only i think i had joined twice before but mm-hmm. i couldn't stay the whole time either time mm-hmm. um but i really i love the group and the questions and you know it just it just felt great plus yeah. the music the live music is oh amazing gosh. right
1: <laughs> so so for those of you um listening uh, remote daily um is a daily talk show and uh can you hear weird sounds? Yeah. Yes. What is that? I don't know. I think they're doing construction on my street. So forgive oh. us everybody. I'm pro- okay. I don't know if I'll edit that out or not, but if you hear something that sounds That's like a right. duck quacking it's <laughs> something outside my window. I hope it's not a really big duck. Um but anyway, uh so Remote Daily is a daily talk show. I will put notes in the show notes. For anybody who wants to connect to that, it has been transformative for me. Um, It's something that I kind of stumbled upon. A friend recommended that I go check it out one day because it was about personal branding that day. And that's what I do for photography. And so I went and checked it out and I have become addicted to it ever since. The group is, the group of people, the community that I've found there has been amazing. Um, Not to mention the topics that have been covered. So anyway. Just a little shout out. To them. <laughs> That's great. Um, so, Kimberly, I yes. want to. I know when you and I spoke, I was really intrigued by the number of pivots that you've done in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I'm so interested in the fact that you have stepped away from corporate America and are now stepping fully into doing your own thing but I kind of want to go back in time (laughs) and hear a little bit about what's been formative
0: for you. Okay. So, uh, I guess, you know, we can start at the beginning of my career. You know, Mm -hmm. I've been, I guess I've been pivoting my, my whole adult life. I feel like, um, (laughs) you know, flexibility and and I'll get to, but, at one of my earlier jobs, flexibility was part of the review. Like you had to prove that you were flexible. And I always got like a four out of four <laughs> because I i was like, yeah, that's, yeah, that's who I am. I like, I'm okay with uncertainty. Yeah. Um, and, and I think it's just because that's what my life has kind of been. So I, uh, I really thought I was going to go into broadcast and, into television you know i interned at television stations radio stations my degree was in radio television and film and yeah i i really like i i i love it and and a part of you know i'll get to what i'm doing now but a part of me gets to do that so i'm really excited that i didn't yeah you've
1: come you've kind of come around to it haven't you isn't that
0: fascinating yes that's very cool Um, organically, which is kind of interesting. Um, but I was sending out tapes and, um, you know, it was the late eighties and, um, it's a different world than it is now. And so I was sending out tapes and the responses were few and far in between. And, you know, I would show them to, you know, my my the people who were running my interns because I was in Philadelphia at Temple university. So I was in a major market mm-hmm. and they helped me put the tapes together. And I'd say, you know, why I'm not getting anything. Or if I did get something, it was like really, really small towns and like, you know, South Dakota and Montana mm-hmm. and like crazy places. That I just had no interest in going. And, and they were like, well, you know, these are great tapes, but it's going to take you a long time to get into these markets, right. That you would want to be, Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I went on some of the interviews there was definitely it wasn't me too it wasn't called me too then but there was just definitely that and I remember having conversations with my mm. advisor and I was like is this so uncomfortable you know I, I'm meeting with these people and all they want to do is talk about like uh, you know uh, what you look like they want to sit close to you it's mm. go to dinner and at the time like I was maybe a size two long hair like and my advisor was a man and he was like you sound so crazy. And I said, Crazy? I sound crazy? And he what? was like, Do you know how many people would want to have that attention? Like that's gonna get you in the door.
1: Oh my And, and goodness. I was like,
0: What are you talking about? Like oh I'm intelligent. I'm i I've come I I went to school on a scholarship on lots of scholarships. Like they don't even wanna know, like I wanna talk about the subjects because I wanna do broadcasts. I don't you know I don't want to be fluffy. I want to be a part of somebody who's reporting on the issues. And he was like, yeah, that'll be great. They'll know that when you get in, but use what you have. Mm. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm in an alternative universe. So I was on campus and I was, I was really stressed out though, because I was like, what am I going to do? This is what I've been planning for all these years. Right. And, um, and that was probably my first pivot, right? Because I, uh, I didn't know what I was going to do. And the idea of just being a starving artist and going to grad school and not knowing, and it didn't sit well with my parents, you know, they were born in (laughs) the late thirties, especially my dad. Like my mom was a little more open to the idea of, yeah, kind of explore and find yourself. And my dad was like, no, (laughs) find a job. (laughs) Um, So Macy's uh, was on campus recruiting and, uh, I, I saw the recruiter quite a bit when I was in the career office and he, he would stop me and he was like, you really should look into this as a career. And I said, retail, that's ridiculous. I'm going to mm-hmm. go to grad school. I'm going to figure it out, but I'm not, but cause my only exposure to retail at that point was working part-time in, you know, strawberry mm-hmm. clothing or some, uh, store, um, and another store in the mall. Mm -hmm. And so that's all I knew about retail. Like I I didn't even think about retail. Like I didn't know where the product came from. I didn't care. Right. I just think
1: you weren't thinking about the the buying side of it at all. Yeah. The Boy, I've I've worked retail and it is a tough
0: gig. It's a tough gig. And I thought, there's no way that I went to college and worked my butt off to stand in a store. That's Mm -hmm. just not happening. And so every time I'd see him, he would say the same thing. And I'd say the same thing to him and finally like it was just one day he caught me on an off day and he's like just take the test just take the test and i said oh, what i don't have anything to do right now sure so i took the test and i like aced it what was the test so there's a test there's an aptitude test because there's mm-hmm. a lot of math involved in retail there's oh, okay. um you know personality you have to deal with people like mm-hmm. i forget what else there were there was four or five different segments that you had to take. And um, I did very well on the test. And he was like, so you, you you have an aptitude for retail. I said, but what does that even mean? And so he said, well, just interview, like meet some of the people. So he, I met, I think there were some VPs, group managers and buyers. It was just like a little panel that came in. And I was like, oh, I didn't know it had all these parts and pieces to it. Sure, I'll continue down the path. And so I did, and and I was accepted into the executive training program Mm -hmm. for Macy's. And, you know, as a result of being in that program, you get exposed to everything. And you have classroom training, right? So they, every day of the week, you're, it's a long training program and you're in classroom and then you're in store and, you know, you move away from home because you're in their program. So it's not like you, even if you lived close, you still everybody in your class is in the same hotel, so you get to know each other, and then you um you 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 go through their their program and so I did that, and I went to grad school and then um my boss, who was so cool because she didn't have a retail background either, so she was a group manager. And before she was a group manager, which was considered a, you know, the white flower you saw in Macy's who wear white flowers, she had a brownie bakery business (laughs) (laughs) because, because she was, went through college, she went to Tulane and she wasn't sure what she wanted to do and she just wasn't sure. So she started this business and then she, I think it was kind of the same. Her dad was like, it's time for you to get a job. (laughs) And she was older, (laughs) she was older than I was, but she just had, um, she was just really cool. And she loved the fact that I didn't have a retail background. I asked questions and I thought outside the box. And, um, when she got promoted to Macy's Atlanta as a buyer, she called me and she said, look, i I think I've gotten used to like your, your way of thinking, do you want to move Uh to Atlanta? I'd love you to come, you know, get promoted, be my assistant. And so I did. And uh-huh. I moved to Atlanta and she was there for six months, hated it and moved back to New York. So she was like, I hate Atlanta. I'm going back to New York. Um, but I, you know, I stayed a little bit longer and then I got promoted um, again and then got uh, recruited to express and express uh-huh. was in Columbus, Ohio. Okay. So I went from my whole life on the East coast to the Midwest. Oh, uh, a little change. Yeah. In the, in the early nineties. Um, and so that was different. And it was a different business. You know, I come from department store to specialty store, but that was the future, right? That was the mm-hmm. future. And so I, w- I was looking forward to that pivot because I just, I just, as a young person at the time, I was like department stores, i never shop in these. <laughs> I didn't, like I work in Macy's, but I don't shop here. So right. if I'm young and I'm not shopping here, this is going to be where old people go to shop or certain people type shop. And if I'm going to be in this industry, I want to be where people are. And so the limited was huge and specialty stores were really happening. It was the early nineties. That was the time. That was the time. And so I moved. I was shopping there. That's right. Right. (laughs) Express structure, the limited. I think that's when they first bought Victoria's secret. And then there was Abercrombie Mm -hmm. and Fitch. And, and so, um, that was awesome. Like I went and, uh, they offered me a job as a, what was the job, um, a store analyst, and mm-hmm. it was on the planning and allocation and financial side of the business, and they offered me that because I had moved very quickly at Macy's, like had gotten promoted very quickly, and um, I didn't have direct buying, like I didn't have the title of buyer, even though after my boss left to go back to New York, I was, the person was like running the department, So you took on her role or at least her responsibilities. Yeah. I took, they just, for six months, it was me. Right. Uh And then it became nine months and then they brought someone else in. And then when that person came in, they promoted me out to the store. Okay. So I met with my VP, like I did everything that my boss had done and they acknowledged it by promoting me very quickly. Gotcha. But, um, you know, Express was like, no, you know, In order for you to be on the merchant side, you have to have been a buyer in department stores for at least, you know, a year or two. So I said, well, that's Mm -hmm. great. That's fine. You know, I'm really interested in, um, I'm interested, but I'm not interested in this career path. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. So if you, if you're open to me moving at some point into merchandising and product and then I'll take the job. But if I have to stay here, that's not gonna be good for either one of us because I'm just gonna get bored and then I'm gonna leave.
1: Mm-hmm. And so,
0: you know, long story longer, I was there for eight years and um, I was there. And while I was there, because I'm just, you know, I get bored with just doing the same thing over and over again. The way I could mm-hmm. be there for eight years and I and I had eight promotions in six of those years. Um, and the way I was able to do that is I love people. I like asking questions so much so that my family, they're like, stop asking questions. <laughs> but I just like asking questions. I always <laughs> want to know why and who. And and so I got to know almost everybody, right? I I would stay late. I would go work with production and say, tell me how you do this. And then they would let me do a project. Or I would work with the trend office and say, oh, I saw a trend. Can I do how do I do that? Oh yeah, sure. And then I would do that. And I worked all the time, but I loved it. Right. I even called the, the uh, fashion show and helped them with the models and just, I wanted to know how everything worked together. Yeah. And so, and then uh, my dad, my mom and dad came out to visit me and I guess, uh, I don't know. Um, Yeah. I, just bought my house, my mom and dad came out to visit me, and my dad was acting kind of strange, and then he, they went back and found out that he collapsed when they went, when they went home and found out he had a brain tumor. Mm-hmm. My mom had um, retired early so she could travel, cause she loved to travel, so she always would take trips with her friends. My dad was a workaholic, so he didn't take those trips. Um, and so <laughs> she decided she was gonna retire early and travel the world uh-huh. and then um while she was away my grandmother got sick and so she had to come back short cut her trip short and it was shortly after that that my dad got sick and my mom became legal guardian for my dad and my grandparents and then it was maybe a year later yeah it was about a year later when she got sick and I was mm-hmm. like what's going on you know and the doctor kept telling her it was the flu and um i was like it doesn't seem like the flu so i start and and this is you know i grew up in a a suburb of philadelphia and, and so the doctor is the doctor in town that my mom knew all these years you know and she mm-hmm. she wasn't going to challenge him and i did mm-hmm. like i'm calling him up I'm like it doesn't seem like the flu you need to do some tests Da-da-da, you know whatever and so yeah. She wasn't acting as her own advocate. No, no, yeah. no. And she would yeah. get mad at me. She's like, you don't know everything. Said, well, you're right. That's why I ask so many questions. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> um, so anyway, so long story longer, it turned out that she had cancer. And oh. they gave her five years. And she actually passed away six months to the day that they gave her five years to live. And oh, I became God. legal guardian of my dad who had by then had brain surgery and um the the wow. it had not gone well um and uh legal guardian for my grandparents wow. and how
1: old were you at this point oh was i i got there was 23 28 28 oh,
0: 28 28? that's young to take on all that wow yeah 28 and I tried to balance it and continue to work and take care of them they were all back in Philadelphia I was in Columbus Ohio and I and I tried to do that and you know I did it for a while but it was like I started to have um anxiety attacks and like it just wasn't Mm -hmm. working because I was just so stressed out all the time and and then um it kind of came to a, a head where I had to make a decision. I was in New York on a business trip. Actually, um, yeah, my my I got in a call and my aunt had passed away. My aunt was with my mom all the time when she was sick. And we were, we were supposed to have lunch and I was on the phone with her. And evidently when she hung up the phone from me, she passed away. And oh, my gosh. I'm not sure what happened. I think probably a heart attack, but nobody talks about it because that was the other thing my family, we don't talk about. Yeah, hmm. and so, uh, and then I was in in uh, New York on business, and uh, I got a call when I got back to the office, um, in New York. They said, "Oh, your uncle's called you. Your uncle Raymond called you. You need to call him back." And I called him back, and he was like, "You need to come home right now." And my grandmother had passed away, and it, that was on me, right? Because I was the I'm not the only grandchild. I'm not the oldest grandchild. But I was my mother's daughter and my mother always took care of everybody. And so I became that person. So then Mm. that was another pivot because at that point I was, you know, I was taking care of people, but I had other than my mom, like that was the first like real blow of losing somebody you care about. So That was Mm -hmm. the first pivot. Because you never, you know, come back from that. You just keep moving, but you don't come back from that. And then this mm-hmm. pivot of being responsible for adults. And, and and it seemed like from that point on, Yvonne, for almost 10 years, my life was really focused on taking care of sick people and planning funerals. And so it, it just took me to a different place, right, to who, mm-hmm. to who I had to be. And like how I had to steal myself to Mm -hmm. be able to manage through that because everybody in my family expected it of me because that's who I had been. And Mm -hmm. I didn't know how not to be that person. So that's what I did. And so, but in those 10 years I got married and on top of, you know, getting married, we had planned two years in, we're going to have children. I got pregnant right away and I just thought, after the third miscarriage i don't want to do this mm-hmm. again and then after mm-hmm. the fourth i was like i absolutely mm-hmm. don't want to do this again and mm-hmm. let's just adopt or not right because right. i can't deal with any more loss no more loss
1: no right? more loss but nobody
0: right? nobody really equated what i was going through with she probably needs some support <laughs> oh my goodness. You know, um, like my, my my husband kind of, but I still don't think he realized because I had fortified myself. Yeah. So what you saw is oh she's together. Look at, she's her. Okay. She's Look okay. at her. She's okay. She's okay. She's always sh- sharp. She's always the she's fine. She's oh she's the strongest person I know. She's fantastic. When right. inside I was doing all the I was doing lots of pivots. Mm. right because Mm -hmm. I was trying to get myself where I need and then I I just I I got to the point where I was like I need to I need help I need help I can't I can't take one more loss I don't know how to show it anymore Mm
1: -hmm.
0: right and so my next pivot was really into some level of self care right talking to someone
1: what did that look like for you what did you end up doing
0: um I, uh, well, first I went to, uh, Miraval by myself for a week and Miraval is a resort in Tucson, Arizona, and they have a grief program. And, Mm -hmm. and I just, I went to Arizona just because I felt like there's something about the dry heat and I, Mm -hmm. I I put that in my own head. And then Mm -hmm. when I had talked to the therapists and the advisors at Miraval, they were just so open, and put together this incredible program where I, I talked to therapists there. I had quiet time to reflect, and it was um, it was a, a way to kind of quiet what was going on in my head. And then when I came back, I actually um, engaged with the therapist and started talking to her every week. And she gave me some um, she gave me tools to um, when I felt myself going down this path of being someone else's savior, right? Because that's who yeah. I have become. Continually, right? Right, right. Um, yeah. To how to stop and not be selfish, but really to think about why am I doing this? Is there a reason why I'm doing this? Is there, you know, instead of doing it, could I give, could I teach them how to do it so that I don't have to keep doing yeah. it?
1: Yeah, yeah. And you know what? I think selfish has I think that word has a bad rap,
0: yeah it frankly. it does it does because um if you th- if you think about it, if you're not selfish if if you don't think about yourself and mm-hmm. you really can't help other people, right, and so yeah. it does get a bad rap because it shouldn't it shouldn't be either you're selfish or selfless. <laughs>
1: Right, It's not, it can't, you can't have it be either, or it really needs to, like we all so need to embrace the, that, that real need to take care of ourselves. So it's the classic thing of putting on the, putting on the oxygen mask so you can help the other person. And, um, but we all just continually consider that to
0: be bad. Yes. uh, uh.
1: Yes. How do we get past that? I know, you
0: know, I, I actually talk to young people about it. Like young women in my, you know, I, I have some organs like communities and I talk about that and they're always they always ask, how do I have balance? Like, how did you, how do you balance? How did you balance, you know, when you had young kids and you were on your career goals and you were doing this and this, how did you balance? And I said, well, I'm going to tell you, I did not. right Right? but i i had convinced myself that i was (laughs) and so what i was doing was making myself and everybody around me crazy because Mm -hmm. i thought okay my kids have to be perfect because once i once i had my first child you know i was like okay i'm getting into a different mode i'm so happy he's here but i can't i've got to figure this out right (laughs) because he's here he came early so we've got to make sure he's good. Okay. Then after work?
1: Did you have him after you went to Miraval and got some help for yourself?
0: Um, no. No. So you, So I so, was still in that state,-hmm, right Of I have to I have to keep it all together. and oh my gosh, now I have another life. That right. I have to deal with, right? right? And yeah. I can't lose this one. I can't, nothing bad can happen. Nothing yeah. bad can happen. And yeah. um, it was frightening. How
1: much fear, right? It was so fear? frightening. It was so uh.
0: frightening. Let me tell you, Yvonne. Um, so I, I I I had a global job then and I had teams all around the world and I traveled all of the time. And I had a wonderful, wonderful doctor in New York City and he was like, you're going to have this baby. I'm just letting you know. So I had a, nut- a nutritionist and an endometriologist and anything that he thought that I needed to make sure that the baby was healthy, I was healthy. And he knew I was traveling. And, and um, I had, uh, my husband was actually still living in Columbus, Ohio. And he mm-hmm. was working at a law firm. And he moved to New York on a Tuesday, April... 16th, 15th, 16th. So he moves to New York and we are scheduled to start childbirth classes on that Friday. So I had mm-hmm. taken the day off from work. Um, cause it was eight weeks before I was due. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm sitting in bed, I have a book. I am, and my cousin called me and I put my book down. I'm on the phone with my cousin and It was a beautiful sunny April day and I was like, Oh, I feel so good. Like I had a great night's sleep. Mark had gone to the to the you know corner bodega. We were living in New York City. He had gone to the bodega, came back with breakfast. He walks in the door, I hear the door open, and he's like, I'm back. And my water broke. And (gasps) so yes, and I'm on the phone with my cousin and I just said, Oh shit. And I like dropped the phone and he's like, What's happening? And I said, My water just broke. So my, my instinct was to jump in the shower. Right. And, and he's like, what are you doing? He's calling the doctor. We get to the hospital and I'm in full blown labor. Right. And so the doctor, my doctor hasn't gotten there yet, but the doctor who's there, she's hooked me up and she's like, yeah, you're having this baby now. You're having this baby today. You're in labor. And I had psyched myself up because you know, i I'm still, I'm like, I'm, I'm, you know, and I was like, oh, I'm not having the baby today. And so she said, said, oh, no, I'm not. (laughs) No, I said it just like that. And so she's like, do you, and she's showing me the readout. She's like, do you feel any of these contractions? I said, it just feels like a little bit of cramps. You need to do whatever you need to do. He's not coming because eight weeks, he needs to cook a little longer and Mm -hmm. you need to figure it out. But I'm mm-hmm. not having this baby today. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. she's like, well, that's, uh, I don't know what to say to you. And she's looking at my husband. And she's like, is she like this all the time? He's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's who she is. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. It's who she is. <laughs> so she's like, yeah, okay. So she gets my doctor on the phone. And I love my doctor. And so he, she gives me the phone. And, you know, I tell him, I'm like, I'm not having a baby today. It's just not because I don't want him to have any issues. This can't happen. And he was like, you know what, Kimberly? I don't know what you're going to do, but between now and you got 30 minutes. I'll be there in 30 minutes. And whatever you have to do, just do it but you need to have your shit together when I get there because you are having this baby today and probably in the next two hours. So get it together. <laughs> that was the conversation. Oh, my goodness! And you know, and, and so that was a pivot. A it was a pivot because somebody was telling me what to do. Like I've been telling everybody what to do. Right. <laughs> and then it was another pivot. Cause God was like, uh, yeah, you think you're in control of this? You're not in control of this. It's all me. Yeah. And so it's like, it was, but it was a pivot. Kind of into light, you know, where it had been so heavy and so dark for so long and and, yeah. and then it was a pivot into light, and you know
1: isn't it amazing how how powerful babies are yeah. right yeah. like th- complete completely motherhood completely changed me I'm just yes. gonna say I, I was one person before and I was another person after and and the power of that little that little meatloaf that comes out you know um that's amazing yeah. that's amazing was he okay when he
0: he was uh, uh, yeah well you know <laughs> this guy- I, mean, I know like, it's a happy ending, we're like, going to have but... to do more of it because so he was okay. His Apgar was a nine, which, you know, is the mm-hmm. top, um, even at four pounds, like he was very small, he was a little yeah. peanut, but he was totally, you know, they were like, this is the healthiest peanut we've ever, like four pound baby. <laughs> and, um, but he had to stay an extra week just because he was so small and uh, mm-hmm. he had a little jaundice mm-hmm. and, um, a little, uh. There was something else, but it wasn't like significant. There was no developmental issues. It was just, he was small, but yeah. I, on the other hand, um, so I'm in recovery and, uh, cause it turned out that, uh, he decided halfway through he, he wasn't coming. So they had to take him C-section cause he was stuck.
1: Um, mm-hmm.
0: And so I'm in recovery. My husband is checking on him and one of our best, best friends comes in the recovery for him and I'm like, and I call him Uncle Marvin. He's a little older than I am, and and he's like, we just that was our jokes. So I'm like, Uncle Marvin, I'm over here, and so he's walking towards me, and then all of a sudden, Yvonne, all total blackness, and I just hear people screaming my name, and I'm just like, I don't see anything, I just hear people screaming my name, but it sounds like they're far away from me, and. Long story longer, they gave me too much morphine and I flatlined and they, he said he saw it. He saw the line just go flat and me go flat back. And they, he said, they jumped on me and they just started working on me. And he just started screaming, where's her husband? Where's her husband? And he went to find Mark, right? Like crazy. And so, um, once they, you know, they got me straight. They gave me, I think they did a a transfusion. Like they got it out of my system and um, I come to and it's hours later. And I said to my husband, I was like, this doesn't look like a private room. He's like, you're still in recovery. Like, why am I in recovery? We're supposed, I'm supposed to be in a private room. He's like, You're not getting in a private room tonight. You're in recovery. You're, you know, we're happy that you're here. And um, the uh, anesthesiologist was so upset with me and she started yelling at me. And I was like, what, what, what happened? What? And she said, why didn't you tell us you were allergic to morphine? So I said, well, I've never had surgery in my life. I have no idea. I I don't know what I was allergic to. I don't know. know." But why are you yelling at me? Aren't you the special? And so um, she's like, you could have died. I said, and yet you are still yelling at me. Right. <laughs> and I had nothing to do with that. Wow. So then you pivot because that's a life changing. And, you know, I'm like, oh my gosh, I've been spending so much time taking care of dead people. What would my husband have to deal with? Now you have to deal with the new baby and, you know, just like <sighs> crazy. Wow! Um, and yeah. so, you know, you and then things get back to normal, right? Because the baby's yeah. fine now, you're fine now. Then you get back on that that, that journey of your life. And then two, three years later, I have my younger son, not an issue, no, no issue. Other than he was two weeks late and here's the crazy thing. He was born on the same day as my grandmother, my father's mother and all of her sisters and my cousin, right? My they were, wait, wait, wait a minute, all born on the same all day,
1: born on the same day,
0: October so she and 25th. Her sisters had the same birthday, yes.
1: What that's amazing! It's wow. it, it's
0: something, right? And like he was two weeks late and he came on the same day as his great grandmother and oh. her and all of his great aunts and cousins. Wow, so um, that was that was the biggest part of that, you know. And I remember the yeah. day before I went into labor with him. My uncle, who's a doctor, he came by to see me and he just like looked at my tummy and patted it and started laughing. Like He just, he was like, he's going to come tomorrow. Just relax. Because <laughs> I was like, he has to come. It's been two weeks. He's like, he's coming tomorrow. He's coming tomorrow. And he did. So, wow. um, so then that, you know, that pivot is to go from, you know, a, a career woman with one child uh-huh. to a career woman with two children. Right
1: which is exponentially more it
0: is exponentially more more and especially Mm -hmm. if you are that person who thinks i still have to have it all like i have to have it all and it has to look really good and (laughs) (laughs) you know it has to taste like food has to taste good the house has to look great you have to look good your kids have to look like they look in a picture all the time and you know Uh like all that Uh and um so that that was that was that was who I was for quite a while, right? Like I just, but I was, it was that path. It it was that path of, I have to achieve at work because that is a large part of who I am. I have to achieve as a mom because that is another part. And it was really hard to get here. So I really have to achieve at that. And Mm -hmm. um, it was just, it it was more than hard right? It was almost like trying to achieve the impossible, but I felt like I had to do it because in my mind, my mom had done it. What I forgot (laughs) was that my mom did it. I was an only child and we lived five blocks from my grandmother. So Mm -hmm. my mom did it with her mother watching me When she, you know, like there was no, no issue. There was nothing like, and she had the support of her family. Nobody in our family was farther than five blocks away in some shape or form. Um, It's amazing what we take on. Right. What you,
1: what you see as the thing you need to take on. And then the things that you miss that are so clear to an outside person, probably looking like, well, yeah, your mom did that. You know, she (laughs) was able to, she had this, this is, it's amazing what we, what we put on ourselves. And when I hear you talk about how, you know, I I get a sense of like the perfectionist in you. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, it sounds like you've come around a corner with that, with the way you talk about it now and your awareness of it. Um, What, what was that? what, what led you to that change?
0: Um, so fast forward to 20, 2011, maybe, you know, I had gone by then, by 2011, I had gone through my first layoff, you know, the, the financial markets c- collapsed and I was laid off for the first time. And I was like, okay, I've never been here before, but I think I'm just going to go to the movies and then I'll figure it out. And so I went to the movies, went, you know, with my box mm. and then went home and, and, you know, figured out how to get back and, and you know, got a job. Um, and then I worked the job, I got into private equity and then I had to figure that out because my job became shutting down a brand, right? Cause I was, by then I had been brand president by then and. And I was co-lead on this brand, and we shut it down. And I said, okay, um, I ha- So was it private equity that was still involved in retail? Yeah. Or was- It was private uh-huh. equity that was backing a, a brand that um, myself and another person, we were brought in to co-lead to to grow it. And we did all the due diligence that they hadn't done before. And we made this presentation to show them that it was not at a state to be grown. It was at a state to really get back to health and then grow. And this is what it would cost. And they decided they just didn't want it. They didn't want to invest because mm. the people they had leading it had not told them all the things that were wrong and then didn't really project what it needed to do. And so, I mean, they were cool. They were like, you know, I wish they had done this before because you're absolutely right. These are all the things that do need to happen, but, we're just not going to invest in that,
1: and now that we know that we're
0: right. we're walking right, yeah. so that was so then i, I thought well here 's a perfect opportunity to kind of be at home because now the boys are a little older, and I can be at home i can I can open a little store and I can be at home, but you know financially that wasn 't really realistic <laughs> because my husband, who is extremely intelligent and successful attorney. He had gone on the regulatory side and was in a very high position in New York, but because it was regulatory, that wasn't where the, you know.
1: Yeah, that's not where the money is. Not where the money is. And so um,
0: I, I, I started to look at things a little differently. Like, what would I be willing to give up? What would I, how could I do this differently and be able to be home with the kids? And the longer I did that, the more I realized I needed less than I thought I needed. Hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, I remember, (laughs) I remember taking my, my oldest son is afraid of needles. And this is the moment where I was like, you know what? Okay. Is great. So he's afraid of needles. I take, I have him and his little brother. And I think by then So, what is that, 2011, four, so the little one is four, no, five, I don't know, but they're little, right? And... um, All the water after a while. Yeah, right. And so we're at the doctor's (laughs) office and the oldest one has to get a shot. He lost his mind, right? They had three nurses in the room, he's screaming, he's throwing stuff right? I'm like sitting on him. His little brother is in the corner, just crying. And I'm like, okay, just do. And and there, and he's just going crazy. And so they give him the needles and he's like, all right, just do it. And I'm like, it's over. It was already done, (laughs) right? Like you were acting out for nothing. And (laughs) so I get them together and I walk out the office and every mother that's (laughs) waiting room and the kids are all looking like, <laughs> and it, Mouths open, right they were they were like what did they do to those people and so I just started laughing like I just started cracking up and I couldn't stop laughing and so then I went home and I wrote about it and I, I posted it like I was like this just happened <laughs> and people started to respond and they were like Oh my god you made me feel so much better like you just laughed and i and I, and it was like that kind of like brought things together for me like hmm. it's not that serious right nobody died hmm. he got a shot they're not going to sue us because you threw the, the the chair it's not you know uh it, it, it is what it is and so um that's that was really the moment it was like okay you can only do so much you can only do so much. And yeah. it's okay. You're still here and you have to laugh it off. And so it was after, you know, all of that. And and then like the next day, my little one thought it was funny. I was dropping something off and he got out of his, uh, car, his car seat and hid in the trunk. And the whole time, like I, I never left him in the car, but I left him in the car this time, but I was just standing at somebody's door and I kept looking and there was a strange guy walking by and I get to the car and he's nowhere to be found. I can't find him. And then I hear a little, oh. <laughs> and oh. I open the trunk and he's just sitting there with the biggest grin on his face. Oh my and it, God. it was just another reminder, like, you know what? Enjoy life. It is what it is and do the best you can. And then it's all going to fall into place. And sometimes you're going to feel like you should be doing more. And, and, and I just had to keep telling myself that, like, just keep telling myself that. And it really helped me. <laughs> it really helped me um, get past some things of feeling like I had to be perfect. And so, you know, then we fast forward to, uh, 2016 and the company I'm working for is going through a whole lot of financial issues. Again, it's private equity backed company. And, um, you know, I've been placed there by the chairman Um, because I was with one of their other brands and helped them turn that around. And then he brought me to this brand. And every time we turned around, they they were doing more layoffs. And I said, well, look, here's what I need to understand. Because you're doing a lot of layoffs. When am I going to be laid off? Because Mm -hmm. we've gotten to the point where I have such a skeleton team that we barely are making a difference. I know we're trying to sell. What's the plan? Like, well, we're never going to just like throw the call you in and say you're laid off. We're going to give you time. But eventually once we sell the business, we don't know if who they're going to want to take. If they want to take anybody, if they just want the intellectual property. And so L brands, the devil I thought I knew, contacted me and I met with Les Wexner and you know, we had several meetings and they offered me this job. And, and I always knew the environment at L brands was tough right like express was Mm -hmm. tough we worked 80 hours but I have been led to believe because I talked to a lot of people because once I I knew it right like I'd already been there um but I talked Mm -hmm. to a lot of people before I made the decision to go back and they were like no it's a newer calmer you know more uh enlightened and you know environment okay and so I'm going to talk to some more people and make sure and everybody told me that and so mm-hmm. 2016, and, and my husband and I talked about it, and he was like, yeah, you go. We'll come a year later. So I came um, to, to Bath & Body Works, where I was the senior vice president of uh, home fragrance. The reason I stumble on that is because my job changed three times while I was there, so <laughs> forgive me. Um, but I started as the, um, yeah, retail home fragrance senior vice president and then six months in pivot we're gonna give you more responsibility you're doing such a great job we've never had anybody come in um, at this level and do such a great job and, and get acclimated so quickly you know we usually we just don't bring people in as senior vice president you're doing such a great job okay so now okay we're gonna we need you to flip over here because this was your job but now we're changing the whole process and we need you to lead that change and Here's your new job. So your new job is going to be senior vice president of strategy. Well, what does that mean? Because the COO leads strategy. Well, no, you're going to lead the strategy for they lead financial strategy. You're going to lead merchandise strategy and storytelling and make sure that we are really connecting with our customers. So, well, mm-hmm. who's going to work for me? Well, you're going to you're going to build a team. Oh, am I going to have a budget? Oh yeah. Well, you'll have a budget. Okay. And you're gonna be the senior vice president of Merch Ops, right? And that's gonna help you as you change the um, process. Mm -hmm. And you're also gonna be the senior vice president of merchandising. Okay. So who else is the senior vice president of three organizations? Three, I was gonna say. (laughs) Right? Well, no one. No one, but we're getting you ready to be the general manager. Okay. Uh, hmm, Let me talk this over. So I talk to more people and they're like, oh, yeah, when you can take on it, when they, they feel that they feel so positive about you that you, they give you these special projects and you can take on these um, issues head on, you're going to be great. And so I, I do it and I, I run myself into a wall because I'm commuting. And that year that my family said they were going to come here, it became two years. And, um, Mm, that's hard, right. Uh, sorry. Um, so I was running, right. And I don't even know if I was trying to be perfect. Quite honestly, I was really just trying to keep the balls in the air, right. Mm -hmm. Because after working crazy hours all week and then getting on an airplane and then having to be you know, fully engaged when I got back to New Jersey, and then coming back here either on a six o'clock flight, right, or mm. a Sunday evening flight. After doing that, probably for eighteen months, like the edges just started to fray. Well, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's grueling. It's wow. It, right, it's grueling, and they are like, um, you, you, but you, you have to, you have to deliver, like. What's going on? Okay. Well, we just, you just signed off on the hiring. Well, where's the, where's the strategy? Well, I just got the team. I can't give you a strategy a week after the team. Well, we expect it more. Blah, 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 blah. In the meantime, I I totally redo the process end to end. I bring teams together. They start working. And um. as a result of the work that I do, in the process like I get to present at the quarterly briefings they're telling me you're doing a great job and um, I'm not feeling like I'm doing a great job because they're telling me but you know you get this feeling right mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then the expectation from a merchandise perspective I had VPs that reported to me but for some reason and my 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 peers who were SVPs over business units over merchandise business units they, we would go in these big meetings and they, their VPs would talk, right? And all they had was that. Well, it was expected that I knew all the infinite details, all the down to, you know, the skew level. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I just can't, I can't, I don't, I can't. Like, I can't do, change the culture, do this, do this, this. And I just started beating myself up and then I wouldn't sleep and things were bad. And that's when I, um, I feel like I might've had a nervous breakdown. Mm -hmm. I just couldn't, I couldn't, I I couldn't really function. Like I just, I cried. I started to stutter. I couldn't sleep, but then I, I couldn't focus. Um, there was no appetite. I wasn't engaging with anyone. And, um, I was just like, I, I, I don't know. (laughs) I can't. And, uh, I went to my doctor and I said, "I don't know what's going on, but here, here's what I'm dealing with." And he said, "Okay, so we need to get you a therapist. We need to get you well because you physically aren't well, right? Your blood pressure is out of control, and um, you know if you're not sleeping, that could lead to all kinds of problems." So right. I, he sent me to a sleep clinic. He sent me to a therapy therapy, you know, offsite mm-hmm. um, for a week. And I started to feel like myself. And I was out probably for six weeks, six, eight weeks, trying to find myself. And I went back to work. And so you took a leave from work during this time. I did. Stepped away from it. Stepped away and from just it. just did self-care. Self-care. Yep. Mm-hmm. For six, mm-hmm. six weeks. In the mm-hmm. meantime, like my family moved here and I went back to work. On a Wednesday and my boss was like you know don't push yourself too hard like don't push yourself it's okay just take your time and that was on Wednesday Monday there was a Monday night meeting where we go through sales and stuff and they start throwing all these questions at me now I just got back Wednesday and I said well I know this I don't know this I'm still catching up and I asked if my VP, I asked the question of my VP, like, do you know, I I, I don't know about what they're asking. Can you t- speak to that? Afterwards, my my boss says, you know, Kimberly, you're going to have to know your stuff. I said, right. But I just got back last week and you told me to take it easy. It didn't matter at this point because we were in a good place when I left and we're in a good place now that I'm back. And um, she's like, yeah. So then HR came to me and asked me something and I I said, well, I don't, I challenged what they were asking. So they said, well, okay. And then Friday I was in meetings and they called me and they wanted me to meet with the head of HR and and they said, you know, you don't seem like you want to be here anymore and you didn't really perform very well in the meeting. And while you were gone, we found a mistake on a report. I said, well, that's not even my report. Like that's someone else's report that was in a document that I created. But they put that in there, and I wasn't even here when that happened. Well, it was, it was in your report. So we think we just should separate. Wow. And at first I felt I was really angry because so I was like, you know, mm-hmm. brought my family here, and you can't tell me that this decision was made in the last six days, right? Like you had to have made mm-hmm. the decision while I was out sick. Um, but then I thought about it, and I was like, you know what, this might be the best thing that ever happened to me because this mm-hmm. is going to force me to bet on me. Mm-hmm. And so I took some more time. I read lots of books. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then I, I went back to school. I went to Penn, took a few classes. Mm-hmm. And um, I was like, okay, I'm ready, I'm ready. I wanted to change my life. I didn't want to be on this hamster wheel anyway. I want to use my experiences of the last 27 years to hopefully help someone else so they are not on the hamster wheel or feeling like they're not enough. Mm-hmm. And I want to make a difference in the world through philanthropy. And how do I make that happen? And I just said, you know, I, I know what I want to do. I want to do two things, and I'm going to do those things, and that's it. One, I'm going to create communities for people to find their, their people so they can have support and um, understanding. They can learn, we'll, we'll, we'll just, we'll have fun together and we'll make, we'll just build communities and that'll just be fun, right, we'll just do that. And so I, I have spice Spicetaria community, which is professional women in their 40s and 50s. You know, um, we have, and it's free, but we have a Facebook group of over a thousand women Right. And mm-hmm. and then we have Authentically Us, which is millennial age professional women. I just started Women of Color in Retail, another group, mm-hmm. um, because the one thing that I felt like I was missing and that la- at different points throughout my my journey. Was just real. Uh, easily accessed camaraderie mm-hmm. with people who knew what I was going through. Like I have Boy, friends. What a difference
1: that makes, right? Yeah, yeah. It yeah. makes a
0: big difference. It makes a big difference. And um, so that's that's what I do for fun. <laughs> and then my <laughs> my day job is I create community. I I actually work with leaders to help them uh, transform their culture so that it's an engaging and um, uh, receptive productive culture that would be welcoming to people of color and women Mm -hmm. and and they would have the tools and support to 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 grow and to accelerate their careers because if they're accelerating and they're engaged then your business is going to accelerate engage and so Mm -hmm. um that's what i do with my day job and i have i have quite a few uh clients and that's going really well and so that's that's where my congratulations that's who I am that's, today and and I feel great about it
1: that is amazing what a great transformation yeah it's wow
0: good. it's been good it's
1: amazing to me like i um i've i've always had a, a, a i guess an independent streak and i'm realizing in the past couple of years, it really started to hit me how much I self isolate, mm-hmm. um, and how important that community is, and and having that camaraderie. It's, it's so great that I mean, it is something that I want to do um, eventually with uh, with late bloomer living. Is have that uh, have a community that I can pull together right. for people who are going through a transformation or th- even thinking about it right you know, where do I start that's right, right?
0: yeah I mean um, that's important because you know we get to a certain point in our lives and it gets scary because you know you can't do what you used to do mm-hmm. right for whatever reason that is and sometimes you just don't know what you want to do or how to even get there so to have yeah. community to help people do that is so important so yeah. important
1: um, my, you know, the, I guess it's a new thing for me that the, the thought of picking a word for the year, um, maybe old hat to other people. Um, but my word this year is help hmm. and that is both, um, receiving help, asking for help and giving help, Okay. you know? And so that's been something that is, that I'm trying to step into as opposed to just, Doing my own thing, you know and and because I tend to do that, it's and hard. I don't get very far it's you know it's it's like okay, no it's and it's been transformative, it's been yes. a, a transformative um year to take that on and to start reaching out to people uh to to really
0: try to connect in that way. It's amazing, yeah,
1: amazing what that does, right yeah,
0: yeah, well, but I guess yeah. if I had to pick my word, it would be connect right? Mm -hmm. All about connection this year. And, you know, I'm a lot like you, like I always felt like I could do it myself. I'm an only child. Sometimes I didn't have a choice. I had to do it by myself. So, you you know, Mm -hmm. you build those skills. Um, But I have connected with so many interesting people (laughs) that my life is full and, and it's been amazing, um, I used to hate to talk on the phone, but now like I'm talking to people all day, you know, in between getting work done and, but it's so great because then those conversations are developing into real relationships that mm-hmm. bring so much to you, you know? Um, yeah. it's, it's, it's awesome. It's, awesome. it's really interesting for, for me, like this,
1: this weird time that we're in with COVID. Um, I've, I've made some new friends, Yeah, you know, just from connect, just from, I guess, just from deciding to, to, to make that a priority, you know? And, and also I feel like I've, I've taken on trying to take better care of the relationships I already have.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, really trying to, um, be a better friend, right. you know, be more available yeah. to, to people in general. And that's and, hard. Yeah. Yeah, it is. What have you, what have you found to be, um, the biggest challenge in moving from being in corporate, like a corporate position to doing your own thing? Where have you found, like, where have you felt like, okay, I have to make some shifts here in order to take this different path, like different habits or different, is there anything?
0: Yeah, like- there is. I mean, I, I, um, I at first, I, you know, I'm used to having a big team, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And so I have uh, an assistant now, um, but that's it. It's, it's her and I, and and then a lot of things I outsource with people that you know I've had long relationships with professionally, um, but having to do most things by yourself, you know. I had gotten used to just having a team to come together and let's brainstorm and let's talk about it right so now it's like who do I brainstorm with so that's that's that was the first thing Um, the other thing is not I have to think about how I spend my money and I also have to be accounts receivable and accounts payable which I you know, I don't like that at all.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I, man, you're wearing
0: all the hats, yeah, right? Yeah, I hate chasing money. I just, you know, and some clients are really good at it and some aren't. Um, yeah. So I don't like that. Uh, and then working in my office by myself, um, you know, with COVID, I'm here. That mm-hmm. I, I don't like that. Like that's, even with Zooms. It's not the same thing. Um mm-hmm. and that and that's less about not being in corporate anymore and more about, you know, the pandemic. But um I don't know, it, it it was getting a little quiet even before the pandemic, just because, you know, I'm an office of one. That's that's mm-hmm. that's yeah. Those are the, those are the big differences. The the pot, the other difference is that even though it's my business and I have a level of stress to make sure I'm hitting my goals and doing what I um, set out to do. It's a different type of stress. It's almost like an energizing stress because not all stress is bad. Right.
1: Uh But I don't
0: have people judging me every time I walk in the room. (laughs) Right. You're judging yourself. I'm judging myself and I have pretty high standards. So Mm -hmm. I'm not going to let myself down. Like, that idea of really betting on yourself and really doing it—it's scary mm-hmm. at first, but it's really empowering.
1: It is, isn't <laughs> it, it? And I find I find myself—I can't turn it off. Like uh, like my brain is constantly going with where what, what I'm doing and how I want to do it, and what, what who, you know, There's always something in my mind about how to how to take the next step and but it is, as you said, energizing, Mm -hmm. like there's some, because there's um, working towards something. And like you said, it's, it's not a bad stress. It's a, it's, it's, it's the, what do they call it? You stress. It's that good stress that I I mostly, you know, have to, but I do have to draw the line. Like I have to, you know, call it a day. I have to pick a time and say, okay, I'm done working for now. And then I cheat sometimes
0: well yeah but it's it's hard to do like like just like today you know when i looked at my schedule before we went on i had uh we were from two to three and then i had a 30 minute break because i have a 330 and i was like oh it's fine it's great yeah we gotta wrap up soon yeah yeah but (laughs) my assistant put another meeting in there right so my phone like i'm talking to you and my phone's blowing up are you joining us i'm like what no I'm not joining you because I'm doing something. And, you know, so it's those types of things that are a little frustrating because it's like, just because I have the time doesn't mean you get to fill it. Like I need some downtime in between or, you know, it's Wednesday. So Wednesday, um, I block out a big block because I do a program every Wednesday, woman to woman. Right. And so Mm -hmm. we're focused on the election education, Mm -hmm. you know, voter talking about everything that has to do with being a voter, women Mm -hmm. in, um, politics, you know, whatever it is like tonight I'm host, I'm interviewing two, um, foot soldiers who marched in Selma, Alabama Mm -hmm. with John Lewis to talk about the power of the vote. Right. And so Mm -hmm. I need to really be up on my facts. I have all that stuff and, you know, uh, God bless Leah. She's like, somebody wants to talk to you. I'm like, they cannot. (laughs) They they cannot. That time is off. (laughs) I'm blocked. (laughs) So, and that's great because in corporate America, sometimes you can't say that. You have to just suck it up. So, That's that's you have to develop that discipline though, right? For your for yourself
1: to to keep that sacred. That's right. Right? That's right. To to make those moves. Yeah. What um you said you were reading a lot when you um when you took the time and and you, you for the self care. Um have you incorporated some self care as you go forward? Um did did you bring anything with you? From that time
0: a little bit I have a lot of books that are lined up that I've mm-hmm. opened and started and I just haven't been able to um, read them because I had a little accident uh, a couple of months ago I, I fell and as a result of my fall I had a concussion oh. and um, two fractures in my back and oh my goodness yeah so I'm, I'm healing but because yeah. of the concussion it's really hard to read. So mm-hmm. like I start a book, but now I'm going to, I'm doing audible <laughs> for a while. Cause it's like, I can focus on what I have to get done. And then what I would usually do is like after five, like that would between five and six would be my time to just kind of chill and read. Mm-hmm. But by the time I get to five, because it's taking a little extra concentration because of the right. concussion, I'm so exhausted right. that the r- words, tend to move on the page, but I have oh, such a, like, so this, a friend gave me. So I want to read this. I, so wait, wait, let me get that.
1: that what's the title on there? I tried to change. So you don't have to. Right.
0: It's a survival guide. <laughs> really? I love it. Right? Um, and then this is a friend's book. She wrote this book. So of course I want to read it. I, um, Great. the heart of a leader, Heart of a okay. leader. Great. And then, do you, are you familiar with Simon Sinek? Yeah. Okay, so he did a, a workshop with this woman, Laura Wang, turning uh-huh. adversity into advantage. It was a great workshop. So I bought her book. I want to read it.
1: Edge is the name of that book. Edge mm-hmm. is. The, I'm noting all these so I can get them into the show notes too.
0: Give and take by Adam Grant. So okay. Adam was one of my professors at Penn, and uh-huh. he he partnered with Cheryl. Um, Sandberg, they did, what was the name of that book? I forget that book, but this book is about like being human, giving and taking and how to create Mm -hmm. circles of reciprocity, which I think is really interesting. And Mm -hmm. then this is the, um, this is called High Risers, Uh about Cabrini Green, because social, um, I'm a closeted sociologist, and so I uh-huh. love books about that. Like, and the next book that I'm getting is called um, Cast and it's by Isabel Wilkerson. And yeah, I think that's on my list. Oh, actually. yes. So did you, that's on my reading list did right now. Do you read her first book? The Sons no. of Warmer No. Okay. So mm-hmm. you have to read her first and book. I'm trying to remember who
1: recommended it for me, but I, that, I, that minute you said that, I'm like, yep, that is on my list. The
0: Sons of Warmer Sun. Is that right? It doesn't matter. Her first book, because this is only her second book, but her first book was amazing because my family migrated north from the south. And Mm -hmm. so she talks about the great migration. And it was just so fascinating to read. She writes like it's a story, but it's factual, right? It's history. And so it was amazing. Best way to get history as far as I'm concerned. Yeah,
1: Yeah. I need the story to latch on to. That's right. Truly, right. Really. That's right. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, I will look that one up for sure too. Then. You all right. Yeah. I got some good book, good book <laughs> recommendations. I love it. I love it. Yes. Well, I want to respect your time since I know you have another uh, meeting coming up. Um, I could go. I could talk to you all day. Oh, this that's great. awesome. Um, what is there anything that you are excited about that's coming up or anything you want people to know about? Um, Where can people find you?
0: Sure. So um, I'm really excited about the series that I do on Wednesdays called Woman to Woman, and it's called Woman to Woman, The Road to Election. And um, everything we talk about is... Uh, either we talk about the, the three branches of government because you know you forget what you learned in fourth and fifth grade. And so people mm-hmm. don't always know what they're voting for and why it's so important to vote beyond just the presidential election. Um, so we, we go into that. We we meet really- And you in-
1: post about that on LinkedIn, don't you? Yes. I've seen some posts about that. Okay, great. So yes. that's a place where people can follow to find that's out right. what you're doing so there. On, okay, great. So on
0: LinkedIn, you can follow me. It's Kimberly Lee Minor on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. If you're on Instagram, it's kimberly.l.minor, M-I-N-O-R. Okay. And if you're on Facebook and you want to be a part of our community, it's Spiceteria Connection. And spice, like S-P-I-C-E, Teria, mm-hmm. T-E-R-I-A, because it's a whole combination of spices because we're women and we each come with our own flavor. And when we come together, it's a Fabulous recipe for life. I love so, that. I love that's that. That's it. That's us. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for oh, well, taking Oh, thank you. This was great.
1: It's great. Yeah, totally great. Well, we may we may need to do it again in the future Pop and double in. check in on you because I know that you know i love that your story has like a windy path to it because that's what it is right and that's what i find more and more there's not just like one simple change that people make it's it's a process absolutely right um and so informed by everything that went before um, and we all just need to trust our guts. I think yes. a little bit more.
0: You're, you're so I'm right. I mean, that could, be, that could be a whole nother chapter of trusting your gut. Cause I can't tell you how many times I got a feeling and I ignored it and it was absolutely not where I should have been or doing. So yeah. abs- I can't even emphasize that more. <laughs> like, yeah. Trust your gut. Trust your gut, people. <laughs> all right.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you. I so appreciate oh, it. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Well, there you have it. Trust your gut. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to learn more about Kimberly or find links to some of the books she mentioned, you can go to com slash podcast and then scroll down to find the show notes there. Okay, next week, I get excited. Next week, I'm taking you back to your childhood. I'm talking to Kevin Lane, who followed his gut to make a huge change from his longtime career in tech where he had his own business. So what happened was a, a few short years ago, he had a revelation while he was on a beach vacation with his family. He took a passion for building sandcastles Created an amazing new toy called Create a Castle that has now won Toy of the Year and been featured on QVC and live with Kelly and Ryan. I'm telling you, follow your instincts and put in the work, and you never know. Hey guys, if you enjoyed this, please share it with someone, and if you haven't already, please leave a rating. If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, it's so easy. Go to the main page of the podcast there. You scroll down to where you'll see ratings and reviews, and you can choose anywhere from one to five stars to give it a simple rating. It's super quick. And if you want to leave an actual review, scroll down just a little further, and you'll see a little checkbox that says write a review. Thank you. I hope you have a fantastic week. Stay safe and well. Talk soon.